Welcome to episode 186 of the MCU Fan Show, where we've got something cooking. My name is Sean Gerber. Make sure you are following us at MCU Fan Show in all the places you can. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. They're all at MCU Fan Show. And if you're enjoying the show on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review. I am joined, as per usual, by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? I am doing very, very well this morning. I'm very excited. This is the, it's hard to get excited sometimes in the morning, which we're both morning people. And mm-hmm. that's people, you know, that, the, who don't know us that well, that, that is the truth. And we both don't get a lot of sleep in general. That's, we're not Correct. good sleepers. And so it's sometimes hard to kind of, you know, even though we're morning people, to kind of get excited sometimes. I, you know, what I get your energy up. But I got to tell you, this, I'm ready for this episode today, Sean. Like, this has gotten me giddy. So uh, I am, I am, I wasn't as excited for, I think those two episodes, you know, last week. And I think I, I definitely displayed my reasons, but this week is, I wouldn't say 180, but I am, I am really excited to talk about everything in this episode. So yeah, let's, uh, I mean, I'm very excited. Yeah, obviously. I'm very excited. I've been waiting for a week and a half to do this episode. Not that I didn't <laughs> like, as everybody heard last week. I loved the first two episodes, but this series, WandaVision, is just getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, is illustrated beautifully by episode three. And this is a spoiler review podcast for episode three, now in color, of WandaVision, the Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, which I think you know by now. But if you haven't seen the episode, if you're not caught up, then you might want to wait until you've seen it before you listen to the rest of this podcast. But you know what? That's up to you. So this podcast, actually, you know, before we go any further, uh, I do want to give a thank you to Adam Lavick, who did our new artwork for the podcast. If Mm -hmm. you're seeing that update as you're getting this new episode, Uh, he took a little inkling of an idea that I had and did something really, really great uh, that I just totally love and captures the spirit of this franchise that we love so much. So thank you to Adam for that. Make sure you're following him at at Adam Lavick. Um, And also make sure you're following his show with Hector Navarro and Augustine Rios, Heroes Reforged. They're on YouTube and they have a Patreon as well. Uh, Those are all really great guys and they do have really great insight on all of this type of stuff that we love so much. Uh, So make sure you are checking them out. So this episode, episode three of WandaVision, entitled Now in Color. I like how we are finally getting episode titles for these, even though we don't get Mm -hmm. them until, of course, after the episode has premiered, was written Mm -hmm. by, it was directed by Matt Shackman, who's directed the whole series. Head writer for the series, of course, is Jack Schaefer. This episode, as great as it was, uh, was written by Megan McDonnell, and that should stand out to you. Maybe it will, and you might it might sound a little familiar if you listen to the Script Notes podcast, or if you remember that Megan McDonnell was hired last year to write Captain Marvel 2. So, mm. a good sign for Captain Marvel 2 to have a writer who wrote this wonderful episode of Marvel Studios' WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. So we don't get a cold open in this episode, as we've had previously. We open right after the previously on WandaVision. We go right into the theme. This is my favorite theme song so far. I love this Mm -hmm. upbeat Partridge family. I felt like Mrs. Hart in episode one, like I'm bopping along doing a little dance like Vision is singing Yakety Yak. I love this tune. Uh, It is really, really good. And I love that it's uh, they continue to have these lyrics that coincide uh, with what's happening in the show. We got something cooking. Yeah, it's the babies. It's it's Wanda being pregnant. And I love how it's we got something we got something cooking and who knew we could 
Wanda's pregnancy is impossible in many ways. I mean, Vision should mm -hmm. not be able to impregnate a human being. Um, mm -hmm. But then it also says all great expectations lead to complications. And we've certainly seen our share of complications in this show. But I love how the lyrics then turn to, but it's groovy and it's groovy and it's fun. It's me and it's you, which is their way of saying, don't worry about it. I mean, you almost feel like whoever's writing these theme songs, whether it's Wanda subconsciously or somebody else who's manipulating and kind of pulling the strings of this reality. It's this whole thing of, yeah, weird stuff is happening and things are complicated and intense um, and anxious. But don't worry about it. Just forget about it. Just enjoy it. Just have fun because uh, it's, you know, it's all rainbows and sun and together one plus one. Uh, is more than two together. One plus one is family is the end of it. Yes, we're talking about Wanda and Vision coming together and having their twins, uh, which we will see in this episode. And I was happy. I mean, we're going to go. I, I'm not trying to skip all the way until the end. But since we are talking about them having children, Paul, I mean, the speed at which this episode moves for mm. Wanda to go from pregnant to actually having the babies in this episode uh, certainly yeah. shows that things are moving along at an even faster pace than we've seen previously. This is probably this episode. And I think this revelation, how fast they got here was, I think, brilliantly done because we were getting an idea that Wanda is altering something. She is ha she's powerful enough to she's altering all this time and, and space around her. And, you know, and you're, 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 we're left in the second episode that she's pregnant. Right. And so how far has it gone? The beautiful part is that there's no rules in this, in this world that Wanda lives in. Mm -hmm. It's the rules that she lives by whatever she wants goes. And that's obviously evident in this episode in not just the obvious thing with the babies, but with these subtle things that again, we'll talk about in a little bit, but as far as the babies go, I thought it was really brilliantly done how they kind of brought it in and they turned this uh, these this crazy idea that wouldn't make any sense and seems far fetched and, and so ridiculous. They take it and they put it with that seventies sitcom uh, spin, and then and you it turns into a fun like romp, but it also is telling the audience that Wanda is really powerful and you know again we already know that, but I mean she can create life. And it's subtly telling the audience again, or not subtly, but you know, it's it's slowly kind of getting the audience kind of lured in, basically, is what I'm trying to say, to accept the fact that Wanda's powerful and not just this, you know, she's altering this reality. She's creating life and this it's real. It's not just an illusion. She's got two babies with her. And I think that it was just re-watching it this morning, Sean. I was really impressed with the writing of this episode. It's funny you bring that up because I had no idea. I don't pay attention to a lot of, you know, I know that's kind of people don't like that, but I just don't have time in my day to analyze everything, every detail. And that's why I really appreciate when you tell me this stuff, because I have no idea because I was really impressed with this episode specifically and how it was mm -hmm. structured. And again, that also is the writer, but it's also the produ you know, producers, Kevin Feige, all oh, of yeah. them have, you know, they're, they're helping structure this thing out together and that, that she's not the only one you know but at the same time it's so well paced and everything i was really i was blown away how great this was because you're introducing the aspects of the character from the comic books that is just i mean asinine to bring into the mainstream media and let's be real i mean we we always joked about uh that line from age of ultron and it's not going to be the last time we reference this line from uh uh, Maria Hill, when she says, you know, she's weird. Mm -hmm. And 
because they can't explain her power level. And I think they did a, the movies, uh, the MCU has done a great job of explaining her power level on a very surface level. And, and, and to be honest, I never thought they'd, they'd go this route because of just how complicated it is. And now with WandaVision and Disney Plus, they are ushering in the 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 alternating uh, alternating space or alternate space and time that Wanda can do basically in this show, and they're doing it slowly. And I mean, if you would have told me that years ago, I'd have been like, "Yeah, that that seems like failure written all over it from like a mainstream media you know, standpoint." Now, and again, even from a hardcore Marvel zombie like myself, that seems like that's going to be hard to pull off. And it, and it was at first. The first episode I was not into as much. Second episode, more so. This episode, 100%, because you're ushering in this idea of these, she can create life, man. Like, these kids are real. And it's well, we evident. Don't, I don't know if we well, know that yet. I think that's still well, part of an, one of the essential questions of the show. And this is something like Wanda gonna, even asking, like, is this is really this real? happening at the end well, of the second episode? And we don't totally know that yet. I mean, I, I feel like other people want the children. We went through the the witchy rituals last week for the children, for the children. So on some level, I, I think these kids are ultimately going to be real or they have the power to become real, even if they're not technically real yet inside of Westview. I, I think that's really what's so fascinating about this and trying to uncover uh, all of these secrets. But I want to get into, you know, just the break, the beat by beat of this episode, because we open with uh, we open with Dr. Stan Nielsen, played by Randy Oglesby. And I wonder if the first name Stan is not the guy who came up with the Nielsen ratings, but the name Nielsen ratings is seems to be a TV reference. I don't know of a Marvel reference for Stan Nielsen unless Stan is Stan Lee. Um, but Nielsen's definitely has uh, obviously a longstanding history uh, with television. But what I love so much about going into is this real this is this doesn't seem real. There are things about this that are off. That's we see that playing out in this scene. Vision has questions like vision when the doc says, oh, she's about four months and, uh, you know, this is all normal. And then Vision's like, well, what about 12 hours? Um, and Wanda's mainly thinking, well, this line of questioning is fruitless after the doc compares it to fruit and more on that in a second. But I really like the what's happening in this scene is that you have Vision, who is the skeptic, Vision is the one who is clocking the sudden surprises coming in all shapes and sizes, to borrow a lyric from the opening theme, and Wanda is the one who's just, but it's rainbows and sun. I mean, that even the lyric, going back to the opening, the opening theme song and the lyrics of that, like, that's the push and pull of this reality, is Vision is the one clocking things that are complicated, Wanda is the one just wanting it to be groovy and fun, because she's happy in this reality, so... She wants it to be real so bad, and to some extent, a lot of it probably is. We just don't know what and how much and, and how it will all manifest if we ever lose this facade of this sitcom reality in Westview. Um, but I really like that thing of where Vision wants to keep asking questions. Wanda, meanwhile, wants to get the doctor out the door and Vision to stop asking questions because Vision's questions get in the way of two things. It gets in the way of this being real, uh, and Wanda just wanting to believe that this is all real. And also it gets in the way of Wanda wanting to fit in because all of the questions that Vision is point is asking, they all point to abnormalities in this situation. And at some point, the doctor may be smart enough. I don't think so. He's kind of a dope. Uh, but at some point, the doctor might be smart enough to realize, oh, Vision's asking these questions because what's happening here 
is not normal at all. And we haven't seen the doctor before in this. And that's key because the doctor would be the one who'd be like, wait a minute, I just saw you yesterday at the talent show and here you are four months pregnant. Um, but the doctor hasn't, as, at least as far as we know, maybe somewhere in the crowd and I missed him during the talent show. I don't think so. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it is interesting to see these two characters kind of going, even when it's it's fairly passive and friendly here, but it, it is the it is kind of one of the essential questions of these characters and how they deal with this reality that they find themselves in. Yeah, I think that this was, again, part of the, the brilliance of this episode and the writing is that there's the, the uneasiness is backed by the laugh track and how everything is mm-hmm. supposed to be presented in this, you know, humorous way. Yeah. So you're getting a serious kind of connotation with tint with a, with a slight tint of, uh, of humor yeah. with, with this reinforced laugh track behind it, which is obviously over the top. And it just, it's a great balance of just this surrealness that's going on in this episode. Um, and in the series. And I think the doctor stuff was, was a, was a great setup because vision is just, you know, he's the one character Mm -hmm. that, you know, can kind of go back and forth. And, and he, and he's the most, we, as we see, um, altered by Wanda as we see later on. But, you know, I, I think that there, this is a great setup because you see Vision and he you know, grabs a doctor, you know, and he eventually grabs the doctor, but he's talking to the doctor and it's it's kind of this, again, there's uneasiness is there, but it's mm-hmm. still like played for humor. And I, I really like that. And just, again, I, I gotta tell you, man, uh, you know, Elizabeth Olsen just is, she's just brilliant in oh, the yeah. series. I mean, I've, I've, I just gotta get yeah. out of the way because she's, she plays it so straight every single time you need her to whatever that situation needs she just plays it 100 straight verbatim what it needs to be from that era or that character meaning her wanda's actual character and i think it just she lures me in man yeah. as soon as she i mean and Paul, the range you know, of emotion that she goes through in this episode and it all works it's all dialed in 100 percent. it's ridiculous i mean we'll get to the finale yeah, of this yeah, where yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. phenomenal it's one of the best scenes any actor has ever performed in the entire mcu movies or disney plus it's just incredible but I also love some other clever little things they did with the yeah. doctor as kind of a, a sign of the times here. Um, he is a misogynist, like in, in Wanda clocks that like yeah. when he's because ta- this is 1970s, right? We're still talking about how women are treated and how that's showing in television as well. And what would have been mainstream media of the time, like the doctor, when he's trying to explain the development of the well, at this point, they think it's one child the development of the child for for Wanda, the doc's like, oh, we tell the little ladies, we use fruit for comparison to make it simple for them. And he's really more making, it looks more like he's looking at Vision than looking at Wanda. He's almost talking about her like she's not in the room. Um, and we see Wanda kind of like clock that and look at Vision and Vision kind of looks at her and then just back to the doctor. But then when they leave or as the, doc, as the doctor walks out the door, Vision walks him out, we see Wanda, like this is again where the, the sitcom audience track really comes into play is yes, there's mm-hmm. the laughter that just kind of laughs off the what's weird about this situation, but there's also the sympathy for Wanda and like the, you know, just the, the feeling for Wanda, like when she rubs her belly and smiles, there's that awe uh, yep. from the audience that isn't there. Cause this one was not filmed in front of a live audience. Um, but there's also a key piece of information from the doctor when we're talking about, 
what is this reality and what is the nature of it. He says he want, he's going to take his wife on vacation to Bermuda. Well, Bermuda being like the Bermuda Triangle, a place that people go and, and disappear. Planes disappear, ships disappear, mm. the people on them disappear, and they're never seen again. It almost feels like Westview is its own Bermuda Triangle in a way. People are trapped here. And the doc even says later yep, yep. when he's brought back because Wanda has gone into labor, just to skip to that part with the doc, because we'll have enough other things to talk about when we get to the end. Yeah. He says, you know, small towns so hard to escape. Well, that mm-hmm. imply escape implies imprisonment. You know, there's yeah. something that's keeping them here. Is that Wanda? Is that Agnes? Is that Mephisto? Is it the High Evolutionary? Uh, is it Sword? I don't think so. But there's we don't know. But it certainly seems like these are characters who kind of, and we'll get to the moment, of course, between Agnes and Herb, which is another big, uh, another big set of clues that don't necessarily solve everything, but certainly inspire new questions. Yes. Um, but yeah, the doc even implying that this is a pl- very strongly implying because even the way he delivers it. Oh, um, yeah. It's not like ha, ha, it, he's not laughing that off. Uh, there is yes. like mm-hmm. there is a fear uh, of, of what he's talking about. Like they, they just can a frustration, even a hopelessness of like, yeah, so hard to escape. Like like he knows, like I was never actually going to be able to go on that vacation because right. we're, we're not leaving. Um, yeah. And that sets up the weird moment with Herb where like dude's trimming the hedges and then he goes through the cinder block fence and like and it's this weird thing where he just maintains eye contact with Vision the whole time, which you could write off as just kind of a creepy, weird moment in this reality. And it does have those sorts of things. So that might be all that it is. But it's also, you know, these characters are kind of they're in a fog like and we'll talk about this more as the episode goes on. But characters kind of shift in and out of different states of minds uh, mm-hmm. at not necessarily random times. And I think that's why I love this, what they're giving us right now in this series. And that's why we got more in the second episode for me. And what I liked about the first episode, this one, we're getting even more of that. And I think the doctor was, again, I love the setting because I talked about how there's that, that hint of humor and he's saying it's super serious. Mm -hmm. Like we can't leave, you know, you know, it's hard, so hard to leave. And then people are laughing behind it. And then vision's like, what? And again, we're keeping that humor kind of laugh track going on and, and everything feels and, and everything is still, you know, in that sitcom vibe, but it's all 100 percent serious. And it just it really works well in this in, in, in this uh, essence here. I think with the Herb stuff, with especially with the first part when he's walking the doctor out and you have Herb like, you know, trimming the hedges and he's going right through. I think that is a. uh well what's the word not an analogy but like it's like a a a kind of the 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 flip side of you know interpreting something that's going on there like herb is doing something there Mm -hmm. that's not just trimming the hedges like and so meaning there's he's looking at a vision i think that's that means something like him going through the cinder block is means something like not just him like being it's a a funny moment but actually him trying to break through to something like he's trying to do something to break through to vision and he can't get past it and i think that's why he's staring at him and in fact yeah it wasn't just a creepy thing i thought i thought it was more of like he was like it was almost like an evilness because i think because i still think now herb is if if that's there's more to Herb than's going on. And I think oh, Herb, sure. that was to me the first sign of like, okay, Herb may not be this nice guy. I think the way he was breaking, you know, using the hedge, trimming through, like, I just love how everything was telling you uh, visually right there. Like, 
Herb's not exactly what he, what he what he seems, and it's not just played for laughs, but it was played for laughs in the sitcom era. See, again, it's brilliant. I think yeah. it's brilliant if that's what they're doing. Yeah, no, it really is. Although you could almost look at what Herb's doing as a plea for help because he wants to tell Vision truth. the truth later, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, he knows Vision. Maybe he's picked up on Vision being curious about things, and he wants Vision to be curious. He wants Vision to know that something is off and, and communicate as much of that as he can without saying the things that clearly they are not allowed to say uh, right. in this reality for whatever reason. Uh, we next go to putting the nursery together, um, which is very easy to do when you can move things with your mind, as we see. Great scene. Great, uh, great yeah. scene, by the way. It's yeah. so good. And Vision talks about nesting and wants Wanda to rest. And she says, all I feel is excitement and happiness and and then she gets cut off by uh, the kicking, which I'll talk about in a second. But just Wanda letting us into her emotional state right right there. All I feel is excitement and happiness. Vision is the one who's feeling worry. He's the one who's feeling uh, anxiety. You know, he's the one feeling all of these things. But that's not really that's not Wanda's take on this. Wanda just wants to focus on. We're having we're having a baby. This is exciting. This is a happy thing, and I'm just going to focus on that, uh, which I thought was you know really great note of where her character is. But then uh, we also see something get set up for the rest of this episode. When Wanda does feel the kicking, she describes it as this fluttery sensation, and uh, that which brings the butterflies to life. And she does say that, oh, did I do that? I didn't mean to. Which points to two things. One is that she didn't actually do it. Um, but I feel like she's doing it subconsciously because we've seen this is an, a small example of what we see throughout the episode where the physical experiences that Wanda has in her body as she's pregnant, they manifest all over this reality. We have a power surge, houses get flooded. We see Wanda and Vision's house get flooded, but we know, um, or at least it would seem that they're not uh, the only one. So although Geraldine doesn't have a home, so when she says her house got flooded, that's not necessarily true. Um, But yeah, what's happening to Wanda physically within her body is manifesting all around this reality, which certainly shows it's another indication of the power level that she has in general, but also that she has in this space. Um, But I also want to talk to you, Paul, about something that I know a lot of people have had questions about, uh, because when Vision talks about how fast things are moving, uh, Mm -hmm. because he's observing that even with the kicking, that's farther along than even the doctor was saying that Wanda was. Vision's talking about saying that he thought he had super speed. And that's been a question because Vision isn't known for super speed at this point yes. in the MCU. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily known for super speed in the comic books. You usually don't see it in his lists of powers and abilities, but he yes. has gone fast in the comics. Like, it, I don't know. It could just be that, well, the doc does say at one point, we were so fast, it was like we were flying. I wonder if Vision's super speed is just really his flight that he's using to cover up for, you know, t- to rather than give away, just be really fast as opposed to giving away the fact that he can fly in this mm-hmm. reality. Maybe it's that. Um, but it's also something that, you know, could have a thing where when you have uh, baby Tommy, who's going to be fast because he's speed. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a way for Wanda to think about maybe where that speed comes from uh, that without necessarily having to think of her twin brother, although we know that she thinks of her twin brother in this episode. So I don't really know if that's the reason for it. 
I don't know if it's really a clue or not. Vision suddenly having this super speed. It might, it might just be a yeah. new application of his abilities and his ability to control his density and all these other things right. that he can do. Um, he's just found a way to apply it in, in, in such a manner that it gives him super speed. I, I don't know if this is something that we really can't, we, we can read into it. I don't know if it's ultimately going to pay off. I think, man, it's so funny because I didn't really catch that the first time I watched the episode because I just was, you know, enthralled and just kind of, I just took it at face value. The second time when he did it, I went, wait a minute, Vision doesn't have super speed. And I'm not like the world's biggest Vision fan, but I'm pretty sure without looking at Wikipedia or anything like that, like he's he has like this uh, super speed kind of thing. And I, I, I thought that was very interesting. I went, that's weird because we've never seen that in the MCU. This is the first time. I think, to, in my opinion, I think it means something. I think I think they're telegraphing something that because Wanda is controlling this this world, that people are able to do things, everyone, in kind of anytime or whatever. Whatever she wants them to do or give, gives, gives them the ability, that happens. And I think that's what we're seeing here. And because I think the fast, uh, the super speed is a callback to both speed, the character, and also her brother, uh, Quicksilver. So I think that's what that might be, is kind of her giving him that power herself. That's the way I looked at it, because I'm like, yeah, that doesn't really make sense, because he never really had that power before. And, and again, it could just be, like you said, face value. He's got super speed. Surprise. You know, which, yeah. again, I'd be, I, I'm fine with. I'm not... It's it's weird a little bit. Like, he all of a sudden just has super speed now, when he, he could have used that on, you know, the other films, basically. But... And that's why I tend to believe that I think Wanda's giving him that ability. I think that's where we're getting that. So um, that's where that's where I take it as. I did. I was surprised the second time when I watched it. I, I was like, wait a minute. He doesn't have super speed. And that's definitely something he doesn't have in the comics. I'm pretty I'm like 95 percent sure. So um, but yeah, I, I think your reason is not like not bad either. So I kind of think it, it it could go either way. Obviously, I mean, anything's 50 50 at this point. But I tend to believe if I, if I if I was a betting man, I'd bet that Wanda's behind his super speed specifically. Possibly. I mean, it certainly well, she thinks it helps her in this episode for him to go get the doc. Although, exactly. Although mm -hmm. the doc still doesn't show up in time and this doctor is useless. He can only count fingers and toes. So that's a point. though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll get to that. Believe me. Um, okay. so when we talk about, uh, another thing that comes up in, in this though, is, um, vision is running his calculation saying the baby would be due Friday afternoon. And I, I think Wanda says that's like three days from now or something like that, which is kind of interesting because this all started on a Wednesday, Wednesday, August 23rd was the date of the dinner party. And it's kind of felt like these things have been happening kind of one day at a time, but if August 23rd was Wednesday, then the talent show was Thursday, meaning that today would be Friday in this reality. But this would actually make it go all the way around to the following Tuesday. I shouldn't get this granular about it because I think time's obviously working differently. It's daytime when right. Geraldine slash Monica gets thrown out of there. But in the real world, it's nighttime. Uh, so time's just working differently in uh, in this space, as we know, because it's all very, very random. So the next thing that Wanda experiences after experiencing the kicking is false labor, which Vision clocks as being part of the third trimester. And then we get 
a staple of sitcoms, a very common trope whenever pregnancy comes up. There's always the Lamaze breathing exercises. That's just always in there. And so it had to be in there in the show. You're not honoring classic sitcoms uh, throughout the decades if you have a pregnant character and you don't address the breathing at some point. Uh, so I appreciated that. And I thought they did a good job calling back to it later when Vision floats oh into God. the air and has to use the breathing to calm himself back down and, and literally get himself back down on the ground uh, later on in this episode. But as Wanda is hilarious. Yeah, that was great. It was a great way to incorporate that that trope. Um, but then so we good. Wanda's experience causes this power surge and followed by a power outage across the entire neighborhood. And then we have just the most underrated character in the show is Phil mm -hmm. Jones, played by David Lengel, because Dottie, his wife, asks him, do these earrings make me look fat? Power goes out and he just, oh, thank God. Uh, I just, <laughs> Jones is amazing. Awesome. I love great. Jones so much. Uh, but then uh, we get a different version of the rewind we got at the end of episode two. So Wanda is very worried about all of the stuff happening. And she's saying, do you think they know it's my fault? And she feels like people in Westview are always on the verge of discovering Wanda and Vision's secret. And this is the one time in this episode where, or one of the few times just in general, where Wanda is actually acknowledging her worry and acknowledging her anxiety. Like we saw at the beginning of episode two in the cold open, when she's talking, she's worried that the suspicious characters that people have seen around town are actually them, Wanda and Vision. We see her worrying. It's not common for her to worry about things because she normally just covers that up and buries that. But here she's worrying about it. And Vision validates her concerns, saying, yes, I know what you mean, but it's more than that, isn't it? And he, he goes through the list, the dinner party. He talks about uh, what he just saw outside with Herb. And then he says, I think there's something wrong here, Wanda. And... Wanda looks upset, and then we just cut back to Vision saying, yes, I know what you mean, but this time he's letting Wanda off the hook and being like, it's fine, you know? It's, this is an anxious situation, but we're all good. And I think it is important to note like that it is different from the Rewind. Like, Wanda is upset, but I'm not clear that she did this one. We know she did the one in Episode 2, that Rewind, because she was like, she just said, no. And then we re rewound to, mm. is this real? She doesn't say anything. There's no like conscious command that we see from Wanda in this instance. And the method is different. We're not doing a rewind. It's just a jump cut back. And so that almost makes me wonder if someone else did this one. You know, Wanda did the first one in episode mm. two, but maybe somebody else did this one because the method is different and we don't see Wanda consciously doing it as she appeared to in episode two. That's a good that's a good question, man. Because I, she's, I I don't think that Wanda is the sole one driving everything. Let's be real. But at the same time, the way when when Vision you know talks to her, you know he thinks there's something wrong. I it's honestly I missed it the first time because I I think I walked out for a quick second because I was doing something I had to do something real quick and it, I was gone so quick I'm like oh I don't need to rewind because I you know it's whatever and it's so funny rewatching it this morning I went oh crap I just I missed that part yesterday whoa and it's a great moment and I immediately thought it was Wanda and because as soon as Vision was questioning it it became like no and that again, I, I, I think you're right. I, I don't know if it's Wanda 
all of Wanda, but she, I think she's the one that definitely like erased it, but it's, I don't think it's maybe it was her, it was her more subconsciously maybe than anything. Yeah. Whereas it, and then that's where I think it's more is, is going it could, because I think when she is confronted with the truth, she rejects it. And it, it, it we, as we will get to later in the previous episodes, she rejects it, but this was a subtle, like yeah. it was, this was a more, this wasn't a confront, you know, a confrontation. Yeah. This was, there's a, nothing to suggest she consciously rejected this. She might've exactly. done it unintentionally, but it also may not have been her. I, I think it was one of those things where I, and again, I, I, I'm down with either way to be honest, but I read it as someone who she loves dearly and would yeah. obviously not send across in, in out of the, the sphere or what sphere or whatever, uh, you know, to subtly is, is concerned, she just goes, what? This, nope, yeah. let's, let's try well, that again. Here's part of what has me thinking that it's another part of what has me thinking perhaps this is someone else. Mm-hmm. This is not to spoil a future episode because this has been included in trailers and TV spots, but mm-hmm. we see, and I think this is going to be in next week's episode, there's a part where Agnes does a little rewind of her own. When she, I think it's when she shows up in her spandex 80s outfit and stuff like that something Mm. messes up and then she says like oh let's take that back or something to that effect and she does her own rewind so if wanda does a rewind agnes does a rewind then there's obviously two suspects for any rewind but that means there could also be a third one but also it's interesting to me that i think even agnes's i'm trying to remember what exactly it looked like but i think it was more of a rewind sort of thing similar to wanda's so I, i think the method being different um might mean something, but it may not. I mean, you could call that part of the evolution of television. I don't know. Although, mm-hmm. I mean, even the rewind that they had in the 60s era last time like was pre-VCR and VHS, which is what that rewind looked like. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But yeah, it's Wanda's not the only one who has the ability to make edits in, uh, in this reality. So um, as we see, the, as we continue on, the false labor becomes real labor. We get that breathing bit that we talked about with vision. And then Wanda's water breaks, which plays out very literally in uh, the house, which is a great little bit. Um, and that sets up the ad. Previously, we've been we've been saving the ads for the end. I think right now we'll just keep it in order because it kind of fits that as Wanda and vision are showered in their own home, we get uh, an ad for bath soap. So uh, the ad for this episode is Hydra Soak. It is the same woman who we saw in the first two ads. The man who's been in those ads does not appear in this one, uh, but we have the same woman who was in the ads for the first two episodes. She's got her feathered hair because we're clearly in the 70s. We have the voiceover, do you need a break? She says, you read my mind. And then the voiceover continues, come with me, escape to a world all your own where your problems float away when you want to get away but don't want to go anywhere. Hydra Soak find the goddess within Mm. and it is this luxury bath powder some people have pointed out that uh there this could potentially be a reference to agents of shield i don't necessarily think so given marvel's mostly uh marvel's relationship where they've just tended to ignore uh agents of shield marvel studios tendency to ignore agents of shield uh after maybe the second season or just in general ignore agents of shield but what is that reference that people have identified? It happens, I believe it's season four. I think it's when they're in the framework. Um, at that point, in that reality, which was also, by the way, a, a fake reality. Um, 
So Coulson had talked about he makes his own soap because Hydra had been making soap, and that's what it was using to control people's minds. I don't really think that's what this is because these ads have previously tied into Wanda's trauma, and Wanda had nothing to do with any of that. She was not in the framework that we saw. So, And I don't think Hydra is behind this. I think Hydra is mostly extinct. I think what this is is a continuation of the various sources of going through the various sources of trauma that Wanda has experienced in her life. It started with Stark, the Toastmate 2000 from Stark Industries, like the Stark missile. And then we had the Strucker, which, of course, Baron Strucker, who was the one experimenting on Wanda and Pietro with the Mind Stone or Loki's Scepter, which, as we found out, uh, in, had the Mind Stone encased in it. And then this one, even though like even though Strucker, the Strucker watch already had the Hydra logo on it, I still think there's validity in showing Hydra in a broader sense being a source of trauma for Wanda because she knows like Strucker is very specific because that was a specific face, a specific person that she probably saw on a daily basis while these experiments were happening. Uh, but then there's also the bigger thing behind this was Hydra. So I think identifying Hydra separately from Strucker is a valid thing to do as far as going through these various uh, traumatic experiences in Wanda's life. Um, but I also think you, and this is all about reinforcing this reality and, and why Wanda's so comfortable in it. I mean, escape to a world all your own. Wanda is allowed to believe this world is entirely hers because she's a, she has so much control in it, uh, even though she does find herself in brief moments being anxious about her secret being discovered. But where your problems float away, very different or very similar to forget the past, this is your future in the Starkmate or the Toastmate 2000 ad. Uh, when you want to get away but don't want to go anywhere. Wanda's not going anywhere. I mean, physically, she's probably in the real world, somewhere in this bubble. She's in the same place this entire time, but she is getting away from all of her traumatic experiences, uh, experiences and all of her grief. And then that last bit, find the goddess within... I mean, this is Wanda taking on the form of a goddess. She's controlling reality. She's controlling life. She's creating life in this episode. So the find the goddess. With, I think this is all a reference to Wanda becoming more powerful. Uh, you know, have, unlocking more of these powers that have been within her this entire time. Where the Mind Stone didn't create these things, it just unlocked it. Just unlocked them, and there's even more that can be unlocked by Wanda within this reality while also emotionally protecting herself or, or so she thinks anyway, because she's just letting her problems float away. She's getting away without going anywhere. I loved, loved this ad. Um, I love the fact that it kind of, I just was looking for all these, you know, references and, and everything. And I got to say, there's a couple things I, I got from this ad. One was when they were talking about getting away I was sitting there. I'm like, don't tell me they're going to talk about the High Evolutionaries Mountain, which I I always like mispronounce, but Wondergore, I believe, uh, Mountain. It wasn't, but I, you want to get away? I'm like, no, no they're not going to reference Wondergore, no way, and they didn't. But I just, it, but I love the fact that I'm I'm te they're they're almost teeing a lot of things up. It feels like right, but I love the whole goddess within you. I went okay. I mean that immediately. Sean, I, I obviously to me, I was like, okay, they're telling us right now that, that there's more to Wanda than the, the Mind Stone. And I was like, okay, like this is them telling us they're hinting that she's a mutant. Like this is, this is what it is. I, I for, firmly believe that. And, um, 
I, which I really liked. And I love the fact that we're, they're just, they're doing such a creative way of telling us these different things. And they're talking about Hydra is trying to clean it up. And I think that's what the, the beauty of it is. And it almost, I'm starting to get like my own, like uh, speculation of why uh, Hydra is, you know, affiliated with a soap. And I'm, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm almost thinking, what if Hydra was trying to hide mutants in general and they're trying to clean up like their evidence that they exist. And I was like, huh? I mean, that's an idea. Cause you gotta, you have to explain how mutants existed in this world at all right now in some way. And Hydra. Okay. Makes sense. Like they have two mutants right now. What does that mean? It's just, again, food for thought. I, that's another thing I, I thought of right then. Another thing is, and forgive me, I don't know the actress's name. Again, I'm terrible with names. The actress at, in the ad that we've seen, I'm starting to think, I think that might be Agatha, actually. I, I don't think it's, I think uh, Agatha in the show is, is still her, but it's, a, it's a somehow, it's not the only character because she's trying to get through to Wanda. And I think it's it's it, to me. I feel like there's something with the, with this actress in the in every ad. There's something there, and I love the fact that in her she's trying to tell Wanda the goddess within you. There, she's trying to get through. I feel like Wanda is seeing these ads. I'm not sure if that's if it's just for fun or or whatever, but I'm I'm assuming Wanda is seeing these ads. Like these are in her head. Um, she's creating them again subconsciously somehow. And I feel that that actress there, that could be the, the Agatha and the Han is playing the younger Agatha or something along those lines. Um, and I feel like that's what we're that, what's going on, because she's I feel like that's what she's trying to tell Wanda. You are a powerful God like you are, you know, basically it's what you are or, you know, you're mutants. You're you're more than this. Hydra is just trying to clean that part up and wash that part of you away. So. I just, and again, I could be completely wrong, but I just, I feel this ad really gave us a lot of deep context of what they are trying to set up or could be setting up. And I just love that. I don't know at all where they're going to go with this. And then this is why, honestly, stuff like this in this episode is why I think this is freaking brilliant. This is a brilliant episode for so many different reasons, but this is why as a comic book fan, they are telling me things and showing me things that like, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Without telling me outright and teasing it. I'm like, yes. And it's also telling the mainstream audience or the, you could say the hardcore MCU only audience. Wow. What does this mean? Like, again, it's playing both sides to, in my opinion, so well that, you can't help but get entranced by it. And I just, I love it. And I just love that I have no idea where we're going with it. So this is a uh, really, really exciting for me um, to like kind of analyze this, but yeah, I, right now I still think Agatha is not, that's not the real Agatha we see in the show. I think it's a form of her, just like how I think Herb is not exactly the real form of Herb. These are just manifestations of some kind, either of, of Wanda or of, um, that they are controlling that themselves. Yeah. And I think Agatha is definitely, I don't think Agatha, Agatha obviously is not a bad guy. She's not, she's not working with the high evolutionary, but I think there's something there. She's trying to get through to Wanda subconsciously. And maybe that's where the ads are coming into. It might be. I mean, I, I still feel like the ads are, are very, they are such direct callbacks. It seems to Wanda's trauma. And look, that could this be, I mean, when we talk, we've, speculated about this a bunch before is 
is what the Mind Stone unlocked, the mutant powers that Wanda has. Is she ultimately going to be a mutant? That's definitely possible, and, and I'm not dismissing that idea at all. I only pump the brakes on it a little bit because you could say that it's him just denying it because he doesn't want to give away something in WandaVision, but Kevin Feige keeps pushing out when Marvel is going to be addressing mutants, and they don't have a lot of obvious places to address mutants other than, well, I guess they do have a lot of multiverse things going on, so maybe, but it could happen. I just don't want to create an expectation for myself where this is definitely going to happen, and then I'm disappointed if it doesn't. The mutant thing might be part of it. I don't know if this uh, commercial woman, as she's called on IMDb, played by Victoria Blade, could that be Agatha Harkness? I mean, I feel like Agnes is already a pretty dead-on clue for Katherine Hahn being Agatha Harkness in this. Um, I, I'm still leaning more in the camp of these are this woman as well as the the gentleman that we saw in the first two ads. These probably being Wanda's parents or somebody else that she knows and has an emotional attachment to. Like these characters should mean it could certainly be Agatha trying to communicate with her, but I feel like. With all of this being rooted in Wanda's trauma, that it would be someone that these would be people she and she keeps seeing them. These would be people she's close to and people that she's lost. Um, the dead giveaway, no pun intended, if we do ultimately uh, see these ads, if we continue to see these ads and determining who these people are, if we ever see Pietro in one of these ads, then, yeah, that I, that would pretty much make me conclude that these are indeed Wanda's parents if we uh, and, and Pietro's parents as well if we see that but we'll see where these ads go from here we come back from the ad and then we have uh, Wanda and Vision under the table as it's still raining inside their house Wanda the, the raining stops Wanda air dry or the flooding stops Wanda air dries um, but she is in labor so Wanda's got to go get the dock and then Wanda hears the stork in the other room but then, startled by the doorbell, Geraldine is here. Very key that Geraldine, she showed up needing a bucket, but she let herself in the house. She was not invited in. She just walked in. And Geraldine starts telling the story about her boss. And this is important for... In the moment, it's important because Geraldine has given herself a reason to stay and keep talking and eventually keep looking around. Like, when she talks about this story that ultimately leads to her being promoted... Then she goes in another room looking for office supplies. Like she showed up needing a bucket and now she also needs to pick up office supplies, which is just another reason for her to go look in another room and see what else she might be able to find. Um, but, and of course, part of the reason she stays though is Wanda wants her to stay. So she doesn't for initially, cause she doesn't want, uh, she doesn't want Geraldine to see the stork that is behind her. Uh, but the stork is a really interesting thing in this scene. We'll get to Geraldine slash Monica and her story in a second, but the stork is also interesting because it's one thing in this reality that Wanda is not able to manipulate. She tries to do the little poof of smoke to like make the stork disappear. The stork does not go away. Um, wants doesn't want the stork to be you know coming around and trying to you know bite uh, Geraldine's pants, but like the stork does that anyway. Um, so like this is something. It, the stork is a symbol to me that well you could say the stork is. It's a sign of the inevitable, right? These babies are coming. Mm -hmm. You know, the stork is here to deliver them. There's no way around this. But it's also an indication of something that Wanda can't control. Um, and maybe it is a sign of her limitations in this reality that while she's been given so much, while she has so much power in here and certainly has been allowed to think 
that she is that she has a lot of control and maybe total control in this environment. She really doesn't, and there are some things that are coming her way uh, that she can't really do anything about, and that hasn't really bothered her because a lot of these things have been happy things. But this is a it may just be something that doesn't ultimately mean anything, but it feels like we've come up against a, a possible limitation of just how much control Wanda has in this environment. Mm. Um, but a couple of other interesting things. I mean, when Geraldine tells the story, she says her boss's name is Mr. Haddix. I couldn't find a Marvel connection yeah, for a character I named Mr. Haddix. To. Could end up being her boss's name, a new MCU original character, like when we find Monica, not Geraldine, uh, with S.W.O.R.D. next week because of where she ended this week's episode. We may very well see that her boss is Mr. Haddix at S.W.O.R.D. Uh, it could be something as simple as that. Um, but it is also kind of interesting that the story, and I don't know what it means necessarily, but the story that she tells mm-hmm. as far as how she got promoted is coming up with an ad slogan. And we've had ads all over the show. So when she's saying like Gravidios launch into your day the right way, is it just a, a completely fabricated story? I mean, obviously it is, but to have that it will have nothing to do with anything else other than Geraldine creating a need to look for office supplies. Or is it something where like, does sword have something to, I know there's some, there's definitely the theory out there that sword has is doing more than monitoring this situation, that they're doing more than investigating the situation. And they might actually have some control of this environment. For example, I, I think the, at the root of this theory, I think, is the idea that Wanda has subconsciously created some sort of event, and S.W.O.R.D. is the one that's built the sitcom bubble to sort of house the event, and that's how they're able to watch what's going on and have a live feed into what's going on. I don't know that that's... It's definitely possible. It's not really the theory I lean into. I feel like S.W.O.R.D., it's in their name, the Sentient World Observation and Response Department. Observation is in the name. And I know there's a t-shirt somewhere that says in, in the MCU, they're the sentient weapon, uh, sentient weapon Observation and Response Department. But the word observation is still there. I think they're observing. I think they're investigating. Um, I don't think they're the ones controlling this. Uh, but certainly the idea that, that Geraldine or Monica is talking about developing an ad, and we've seen so many ads, points to maybe uh, a possible connection there. But there's also a key moment with Geraldine, where when she hears the chattering of the stork, the way like she snaps out of it, she's not sitcom Geraldine anymore. That's Monica, who's like clocked this suspicious sound. But it also points to the allure and kind of the mystique of this reality in Westview and how it can affect you because Wanda gives her what is clearly an insufficient excuse. Oh, it's a new ice maker in the refrigerator. And Wanda, and Geraldine just like, oh, yeah, back to my story. Um we see that happening again and again, and I'll, I'll talk about it more when we get to uh, Herb and Agnes at the end of this episode, but we see characters who have suspicions and then just kind of snap out of it uh, and go right back on about you know their happy-go-lucky uh, sitcom lifestyle. But there was a lot of things going on in that scene uh, that are, I think are certainly going to be driving a lot of theories. Yeah, I again, the brilliance of this episode is that the whole Storks thing was fun, on just by itself, it was just, it was funny, and it was again a callback to those kinds of sitcoms. But what does it mean? What is it trying to do? You're explaining that Wanda is creating this, or what exact? Or if she's not creating it, what's what is who is and what's driving it? I again, the way I, I interpret this a couple different ways. One, 
I, I definitely think that this stork is real, obviously, and that I think Wanda is either she's either created the stork from her mind and her hex powers and her time alternating uh, alternating powers. That is ultimately a play here. It's all, the whole sense of this ep- uh, series. But I think it's just kind of reemphasizing that um, to an extent also that the babies are coming and that. Again, reemphasizing what I think as well that these babies are real. I think these these are real at this moment. Right. To say that, um, because that is pivotal. Because I think, as we know, the, they're adapting are so many different uh, tales about Wanda. Um, that again, going back to the comic books, you know, I I have self admittedly I have not actually read House of M. So uh, there's a reason for that. There's a long-winded explanation, but I want to explain it. But basically, I just had no interest in reading that that comic series. That being said, I did read uh, Avengers Disassembled, and I've read other Scarlet Witch stuff where she kind of goes crazy. We have before also years ago on old shows, um, Avengers West Coast stuff where John Byrne kind of makes her, kind of introduces the idea of her going a little bit crazy um, and whatnot. But, uh, But anyway... I kind of feel that this is just kind of emphasizing how powerful she really is and that that these kids are coming, kind of emphasizing that. But I also got the idea of like, again, I think high evolutionary is is alternating, you know, is something around this as well. I think that is where we're getting this potential, you know, thing. And I think that it could emphasize or uh, reinforce the idea that the high evolutionary creates like creatures. He creates these um, beasts, if you will, and this could be something he, con- you know, created or, or, or something like that, where he kind of maybe that, that that thing wasn't in there initially. He transported it in there or something like that. I don't know. I again, that's a lot more of a long shot kind of a thing, but that that's kind of where I was kind of also leaning on. And like, you know, that this could be, you know, the high evolutionary behind a lot of this kind of thing, because that's where I, I'm kind of leaning on is that it's not I don't think this is Mephisto or anything like that, I think that there's the high evolutionary is behind a lot of what's going on and which we'll get into that. And with Herb and, and, and Agatha here in a second, but I think that's where I kind of read into it both different ways. I tend to believe that it's just Wanda creating this and she can't control it because she's just kind of all over the place. So I feel like that's where it's going. And, but at the same time, I think it could also be the high evolutionary all, you know, messing with things as well. Yeah. It's really tough to say what the source of all of this is, and maybe that's because there's more than one source of it. I mean, that that's yeah, yeah. You know, this could be a lot of things being in play all at once. But there was also a thing. I mean, even with the stork, though, it was I found it interesting. I mean, I know the stork was camouflaged sort of by just aligning itself with the painting, but it was a little weird to me that Geraldine didn't see it um, and that she only saw the crib, although it wasn't in there for very long before. You know, the labor Mm -hmm. took over. But um, I think there's also a key moment, though, for Geraldine, although now really just switched to calling her Monica, because when it's time to deliver the baby, I thought Tiana Paris did such a great job in this, like as breaking character from the sitcom and also even breaking from what Geraldine or Monica went in there to do, went in there to investigate, even if she didn't always remember that she was there to investigate. And, and what her purpose was, or even what her name was in that reality, that when Wanda needs help, because that's what's happening here, Wanda needs help, and Monica is just right there, and that's all that matters. And the way that she gets uh, Wanda 
to focus just entirely on her when she says, look at me. And Wanda says, I can't do this. And she says, yes, you can. You can do this. I just thought that was such a great moment for Monica in this, in whatever way she could, just kind of stepping up and being a hero and being there for Wanda in that moment. And I think it speaks to who Monica is as a character that nothing else matters. The facade of Westview, the investigation that she's probably conducting on behalf of S.W.O.R.D. or because she is part of S.W.O.R.D., all of that goes away, and it really just comes down to someone needs help, and I'm and I'm in a position where I can help, and that's what I'm going to do. So I thought that was a great moment for Monica as uh, a character in the MCU, whom obviously we met in Captain Marvel, um, but are meeting for the first time as an adult in this series. Um, and then Wanda, of course, gives birth to Tommy. We know that Wanda wanted the name Tommy. Vision wanted Billy. Uh, Vision missed the birth, but... He concedes to the name Tommy, at least for the first baby, when they only think there's one baby. Um, and yeah, the doc makes that says that line. We went so fast. It was like we were flying, which maybe is a reference to what Vision is actually doing here to achieve super speed. Not sure. Um, but Wanda says, do you want to meet your son as yourself? Wanda does also point out that uh, she says, oh, you're strong when she talks to Tommy. So implying that Tommy has powers. And then she gives birth to another baby. This one is Billy, uh, which Vision delivers. Monica delivered Tommy. So if we're looking at who these characters are, Tommy and Billy, or rather, I should say Billy and Tommy, respectively, are Wiccan and Speed in Marvel comic books. So we're not really looking at, uh, we're not looking at, Vi we're not looking at the kids from the Tom King vision run like Viv we're we're looking where it is Tommy and Billy, which I think we already kind of suspected. So Tommy mm. being speed Wiccan be or Billy being Wiccan. And so these are the characters that we're familiar, more familiar with as Wanda and visions children, of course, in Marvel comic books coming into this series. And we already have some reference to the idea of the, Oh, you're strong as Wanda hands Tommy over to vision is an acknowledgement that these are going to be super powered characters. And we know from the trailer, like we see, invisible kids like with pacifiers popping up and that's probably next week because that looks very that moment looks very family ties and, and very 1980s um mm -hmm. but yeah. having the kids arrive here and then one last note about the kids that was as i mentioned the doc is useless 20 fingers and 20 toes but just to circle back to the way he treated wanda earlier when he talks about what geraldine did and he says you know that you would that you might have what it takes to be a nurse there's a look that Geraldine gives to Wanda and Wanda just kind of shakes her head. And cause that's the, that's the 1970s thing. I mean, that is still a thing in a lot of ways today, but not that there's anything wrong with being a nurse. Nurses are amazing, but it's because the doctor puts the ceiling at nurse. He doesn't say, even though she did what doctors do. I mean, nurses can deliver babies as well, but doctors deliver babies. Geraldine did what the doc should have been there to do. Um, which is delivering the baby. And he he puts the ceiling at, you might have what it takes to be a nurse. Not It is key that he, he does not say, you might have what it takes to be a doctor. He didn't go up to that level, uh, even though she proved that she probably could be a doctor outside of, of course, you know, going to med school and, and all that stuff. But certainly a callback to the time, the era, how women were seen, how women were treated. Uh, so we see some of that being brought into the series as we're also telling you know, this larger story with these characters and their emotional experiences. But, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear what they're doing in that moment with the the looks exchanged between uh, Geraldine slash Monica uh, and Wanda. 
And then mm-hmm. we go outside and we get the, you know, the small towns so hard to escape as we addressed earlier. Um, we have two things going on simultaneously here. We have the interaction between Vision, Agnes, and Herb, and then we have what's going on between Wanda and Geraldine. Let's save the best for last, Paul. Let's focus okay. on uh, the interaction between Vision, Agnes, and Herb, because as Vision has uh, bid farewell to the Doctor, he sees Agnes and Herb whispering, and with the captions, they actually get to know what they're whispering. Uh, Agnes says, oh. what, yeah, Agnes says, what is she doing in there? Meaning probably Geraldine. Herb says, I don't know, followed by Agnes saying, did you see her go inside? Herb says she went right in. And then uh, the captions credit it to Agnes, but I'm not sure. Maybe it feels like it would be more of a response from her, but the captions say Agnes and her tummy was, and then it trails off and then did Geraldine. And then it's like, just that's fine. So it kind of trails off. We don't really get to hear all of it, but um, we know that the the meaning of this conversation is, yeah, somebody observing that Wanda is probably pregnant, but also they're tracking Geraldine. What is she doing there? Um, and she mm-hmm. just got to go in. Um, and then we get Agnes talking to Vision. But one thing she says before she starts asking about Geraldine is, but Ralph looks better in the dark, so I'm not complaining when they talk about the power going out. So that makes you think, well, is Ralph still ju- is Ralph just still the verbal punching bag for Agnes because he's just never there, which would be a fairly common sitcom thing. So it might just be that. Is Ralph somebody else? Is Ralph the real villain here and looks better in the dark? Is he the devil who's not just where the only place the devil is? It's not just in the details. Is that another reference with Ralph? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, could be. Mm. It may be nothing. Um, but the the line of questioning, though, is, is Geraldine inside with Wanda? And then they start going through it. Herb says she's new to town. Agnes says there's no family, no husband. And Vision says there's nothing wrong with that. But then she says she has no home. And then Herb almost gives it away. She came here because we're all, he says, we're all just like, and he just, he does not finish the sentence. We're all, and Agnes actually snaps at him and says, stop it. And she Mm -hmm. looks at Herb, she shakes her head no, and it's the look on her face where Mm -hmm. I, I think says that there's something else and maybe someone else in play here because she's afraid that Herb's gonna give something away that he's not supposed to. I don't that doesn't read to me as you could say that this is all a ruse and Agnes is the one behind all of this. And, you know, this is all for show because she knows that Vision is watching this. And this is all part of Agnes's game and what she's doing to manipulate everyone. That is completely possible and may ultimately be what mm. the truth is behind all of this. But it's not the way I'm leaning right now. And the two reasons I'm not leaning that way is really more of just I'm, I'm being influenced by the comic books. If Agnes is Agatha Harkness, mm-hmm. this is not really the role that she would play with Wanda is being that of the tormentor. Um, and mm-hmm. also it is that look which is directly at Herb, not at Vision. It seemed like genuine fear. And if she's in control of the situation, then I think the look she gives Herb is different. It's like it's a commanding look like you better right. not say that shit. I, I feel like anyway, as opposed to the look that she gives him where she's almost pleading with him, like she's afraid yeah. and almost begging mm-hmm. with him, like, don't say it like we will be the, we will be, be in trouble. The consequences mm-hmm. will be severe if yep. you say what you're not what we both know you are not supposed to say to vision right now. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's exactly what I read into it. This this to me was oh, I, I love this because to me this is where they're telling us the high evolutionary is behind this. And when again rewatching it, that whole thing with Herb, I I, I initially took it as just him being you know there, there's something more to what's going on with that whole scene. I said. And I knew that going, you know, looking at it, but I didn't know exa- the exact context yet, even then, where that was headed. And then at the very end, when you have Herb, you know, I and then she stops him. I went, okay, this is so. This is my theory. Again, I'm I'm looking at the comics as the way to be informed, and that's why I just everything I'm going to say is be informed by that. I definitely think that Herb is a high evolutionary. I've been very obvious about this. I think he's he's because here's the thing about about the high evolutionary. He's a scientist. He's like he's brought himself up like he's brilliant. And we and I the line where she said, you know, he looks better than the dark. That totally went over my head, Sean, the first the both times. I was thought her just being a joke again, being like the oh, my husband's so ugly, blah, 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 you know, kind of a thing. And and then uh, when you said that, I went, oh, crap, like because that's not what Herb looks like. Herb is like probably looks like the high evolutionary. He probably looks like crazy. And hopefully he looks dark pink like he does in the comic books. That would look amazing. As I said, dark pink Um, or light pink, I should say, Um, or purple. It's kind of way, it's way they shade him. I don't know. Um, So to me, this is kind of where I read this, this whole scene. I think that the high evolutionary is working with Agatha. And right now, like I think she's playing him. Like mm-hmm. he is using her, she's helping him do something. Again, we don't know what, but she's altering. Like you said, she's got her powers within this world. And if, if we know Agatha was his her old mentor, has or be a teacher at some point, that that is right there. So that's why he needs Agatha to control, help control Wanda. But what does he want Wanda for? What is he trying to do? High evolutionary, all about experiments. He's experimenting on Wanda right now. So I think he's just kind of like, I'm just going to, you know, he's kind of testing things. That's why he's in a television. Well, she just walked in there. He wants to see what the response is. And then you see Agatha say, no, don't do it because that's what he, that's his like limit. Like that's where he's got to kind of go with and kind of verify things with. So again, maybe it'll be blown away in the next episode. I don't know. And, and whatever, that's fine. But right now, that's where I'm going with high evolutionary is, is experimenting on Wanda. It emphasizes the fact that when they try to get through to her in the second episode, he's like, Wanda, who's doing this to you? It makes sense that if a high evolutionary, who's a powerful person, it's not just some, you know, rando off the street, you know, he, this dude is like powerful. So it would make sense that he would be like, I'm going to take her. I'm going to experiment. Cause I think I can get X, Y, Z, whatever, you know, he wants out of her, but he knows he needs someone like Agatha, you know, because Agatha is, you know, has ties to Wendigo Mountain, things like that. And so does High Evolutionary. So going back to the comics, it all makes sense. So I think this scene is emphasized the fact that he's kind of playing behind the scenes. And I think that, again, the way Herb kind of is interacting with people, it makes sense. And then Agatha is the control. She's the one that kind of is helping him kind of like figure out, you know, what she can do. And right now, again, going back to something we kind of, I wanted to go back with us before was again, when the kids are born or before they're born, when these things are happening to her, she's controlling the environment. So 
I think that, again, emphasizing the idea that why these kids are real, Sean, is emphasizing the things that are happening around her. Like she's all, you know, she's changing everything around her at before they're born. And I think that's not, that, that's purposeful, you know, obviously it's, you know, for, you know, whatever. But to me, high evolutionary is just kind of like seeing what he can do. How powerful is she? And he's testing her limits. That's why the stork might happen or something like that. So I feel that's what's going on, and it's emphasized here with Agatha, because Agatha is not behind this. I don't think she is. Like her face to, to Herb is just, please don't. Like you Yeah, said. but that's like, what also has me doubting if Herb is the real high evolutionary. Like, Herb I, might, Herb might yeah. just be, they gave him that name as an Easter egg because the high evolutionary is in the story. Maybe the high evolutionary won't have a human name. It's know? possible. Yeah, it's because possible. if Herb is the one who's in control... And he's if the high evolutionary is ultimately the the highest ranking person here who's creating this and in charge of this. Sure. Why would he? Well, why would he give away the secret as Herb almost did? Why would he even be tempted to give away the secret when theoretically that would ruin his plans? Um, and also, well, but also, why would he? Why would he care what if he outranks Agatha? Why the hell would he care what she thinks? Because um, so he knows how powerful Wanda is. That's the thing. Well, yeah, but I, my my point is though, if he knows how if he knows how powerful Wanda is, and that's why you need to keep up this charade, you got to keep up the charade. Like he, he wouldn't be tempted. I I don't think to break it all down unless you say that it's really high evolutionary and Agnes being or Herb and Agnes being in complete partnership, and this entire thing was a show for Vision, which. I don't think it was because I don't feel like the look that Agatha gave Herb was for Vision. I mean, I don't even know from that angle that Vision could have seen it. Um, well, well, I feel it like there's Vision. well, I Go feel ahead, well, no, I feel like there's something else in play here. Like when Herb is about to say we're all, he's not just talking about him and Agnes. He's talking about the whole town, everybody in here. He's talking about. Dr. Nielsen, he's talking about Dottie, he's talking, you know, everybody, low-key MVP, Phil Jones, he's talking about all of them, and so it's like, who are these people, and I think that's still one of the most intriguing questions here is, Mm -hmm. why are they here, how did they get here, where are they originally from, I mean, not to go all sixth sense about it, but there's a part of me that's like, what if these are all just dead Sokovians, like, what if these are all... People in Sokovia that Wanda knew and like she's without knowing it, she's been able to keep them in some sort of purgatory between life and the afterlife. Uh, And that's what all of this is. And Vision is part of that. Uh, And Wanda's found a way to be in there to not necessarily have to let go of people that she's lost. There's part of me that thinks that. But I'm also thinking it's it's more than that, though, because. These are witches. Like, Agnes is a witch. I think Dottie is also a witch. Like, she had to give the blessing for the children in order for Wanda to ultimately be pregnant. Winning the talent show was part of it, or at least winning the inaugural comedy performance of the year was part of it. Like, it happened in that sequence. And so, there's part of the things like, are these witches who've been trapped? And is this why Agnes has a similar ability to Wanda? Wanda does a rewind in episode two. Agnes does a rewind, I think, next week in episode four. And if they have these similar powers, then that means these are similar beings who've been trapped in this environment who have power here, but don't have the ultimate power. 
And so if these characters have a sense of history, as they seem to, because they know that Wanda and Vision are new, they also know that Geraldine is new and that she's not doing what, what Wanda and Vision did. As far as Wanda and Vision, they're new neighbors, but at least they got a house, which means they're supposed to be here, which means this is home for them just like it's home for us. This is not home for Geraldine. And so for these characters to have a sense of history, that points to a couple things. One would be that they only think they have history here and they don't really. All of this is in Wanda's mind or in her subconscious, and she's created all of these people, and they think they have an identity that they don't. Or maybe it's three things, because the other thing is, as, as I mentioned, it's all icy dead people, and these are dead Sokovians. Um, but I'm also wondering if these are witches who have been part of some coven, and they may have been part of the same coven all at once, or they may have been part of the, the same coven across different decades, or maybe even centuries, because we have the June 2nd Salem Witch Trials anniversary that Agnes alludes to as, as her and her husband Ralph's uh, anniversary. Um, and she does mention Ralph being the one who looks better in the dark, not Herb. So maybe Ralph is the high evolutionary in all of this, even though that name would be different than the comic books. But mm -hmm. I, I think there's the, this idea that the high evolutionary might be, or Mephisto, sure, um, might be the one who's been trapping very powerful beings and very powerful witches and sorcerers and warlocks and whoever else uh, in this reality, that this is how he's been able to keep them confined. And now Wanda, with her powers being what they are, is just mm. the latest victim and the latest person to be put in this prison, this small town prison, as the doctor says, from which they can't, where it is so hard to escape. And this goes back into Agnes and what she's trying to do here and why I don't necessarily think that she's the real villain here. I know that she was doing a lot of manipulating and she was certainly pushing Wanda in the direction of having children. There's no question about that. That's blatantly obvious in these first episodes. But just because Agnes is steering Wanda in that direction doesn't mean that Agnes has ill intent. Because if Agnes knows that, Agnes knows the deal here, right? Whatever the truth is, Agnes knows it. Herb knows it too. And so if Agnes knows that the truth is there's a being here that's in charge of this place that's even more powerful than I am, more powerful than any of us, all of us together who are imprisoned in Westview, and he wants the children, the children are going to be here. And so if Agnes plays her part and looks like she's going along with it, I'm going along with the plan, we're going to get the children, and this person, high evolutionary, this being, whatever it is, has some ill intent some plans for these children that Agnes's strategy is, well, I'm, I'm not going to be able to stop the children from coming here, from being born. But what I can do is if I'm right here at the center of this and I'm steering Wanda in this direction, I might be able to help her protect these children. I might be able to get these children before this other being can and I can actually save them from whatever fate that, that would be awaiting them should this other being get its hands on them. So I feel like that's where Agnes could be manipulating for the purpose of helping, not necessarily for the purpose of doing Wanda or these children any harm. I, I think that's all, it's it, it's all there. I mean, to me, there there's so many different possibilities and I like I like a lot of those, to be honest. I mean, I, I definitely feel that that the high evolutionary is behind some of this and she's being experimented on how exactly if who if Herb is literally him or Ralph or, or whatever it's there's something there. And I think that 
whether she know is aware of it or not, she's helping the high evolutionary and she doesn't, maybe she doesn't realize it, but I think they're somehow they're He's using her or they're working together in some way where they're manipulating everything. And, and then again, Agatha is behind the kids again. What, why, why is that? So again, the, the kid thing is just so fascinating because I think there's, oh man, yeah. yeah, well, we got to move on. Move yeah, move yeah, on. exactly. Yeah. I don't know if, and the kids, they're definitely real in this reality. Will they be yeah. real when this reality is over? I think so. Um, but then the question is, will vision be alive well, and real? And when, when this is does over? this reality, is it over at the end of the series or does it continue? Yeah, we, uh, we do not know, but uh, of course know. we are not going to wrap up this podcast without talking about that amazing scene, uh, that we briefly talked about at the beginning of this episode. So while vision is having this conversation with Agnes and Herb, there's another conversation going on between Wanda and Geraldine. And when Geraldine just uh, makes a remark about how just amazing it is that Wanda and Vision have had twins, Wanda says, I'm a twin. And then she says, uh, she drops her brother's name, Pietro. We, of course, remember Pietro from Avengers Age of Ultron. But what I also love about this is when she says his name, her Sokovian accent is back. And then she sings this presumably Sokovian lullaby uh, to her babies. And we see that she has tears in her eyes. One of those tears uh, rolls down her cheek. And it's just this very, very sad moment for Wanda remembering her brother. But she doesn't really want to focus on why it's sad. Uh, it's Geraldine who focuses on that, but uh, which I will get to. But just this moment before Geraldine even mentions what happened to Pietro, like that was just... It, an astonishing moment by Elizabeth Olsen, as this entire scene is, and just her performance in general through, across the MCU, but particularly in this series, so good in that moment. And it's just heartbreaking to see her. Like, it's not it's not an emotional high point. And I, I think that's what illustrates just how sad it is and how mm -hmm. deep the pain is in, how deep this pain is for Wanda uh, mm -hmm. with the loss of her brother and the loss of her twin brother. It's just... It's not even this thing where it's not the it's not the scream that she lets out when he dies in Avengers Age of Ultron. It is just this sad acceptance of of what happened. I mean, she's in some ways there's a denial of what happened and what's traumatic about it, but the mm -hmm. sadness is so overwhelming that she can't even really react to it. She just she just sings it out and just feels it in that moment. Um, which was just amazing, amazing by Elizabeth Olsen. But then when Geraldine says he was killed by Ultron, wasn't he? Um, and I love Tiana Paris and her performance here because if you look, if you watch her face as she's before, as she's saying this, and even before she says this, like you almost see the gears turning in her own mind yeah. that she's remembering this, but she's not just remembering it. She's realizing that she's remembering it. And there is a bit of a difference there, like because I think this is Monica getting back more of herself, like it, her real self. It it was shown through in in certain moments in this episode, like when she heard the chattering of the stork, or when it was time to just help Wanda deliver her child, which ended up being children. So we've we've seen the real Monica kind of shine through, but this is kind of her slowly kind of coming into it where she's just remembering this 
fact about Wanda, because clearly she's in here to see Wanda and investigate what's going on with Wanda, but saying he was killed by Ultron, wasn't he? And Wanda's reaction to that, it just turns from this very sad kind of downplayed melancholy to now it's a threat almost. What did you, you know, what did you say? And Geraldine tries to recover, tries to go back into sitcom mode. Wanda's not buying it. Um, uh, Geraldine offers to watch the babies. No, I think you should leave. Wanda observes the sword necklace or the sword, you know, charm on the necklace that uh, that Geraldine is wearing. And then who are you? And then there's that look from Wanda, you know, like and that's this is, this is the range that Elizabeth Olsen is going through from just this overwhelming sadness to react reacting in anger to the threat to then just like in the in the weird you know, she's weird way that Wanda can do it with this very different, very unique energy for Wanda, but is also very like mama bear protective mode of at this point, Geraldine is a threat. This is a threat in her house with her babies right there. And so you see that protective instinct from Wanda. Um, and at the same time, Wanda is protecting herself. Wanda allowed herself to feel the sadness of the loss of her twin. She let herself do that as she said his name aloud and she sang the lullaby as she was looking at her own twins. She let herself feel that. But the sadness and the trauma, while the trauma created the sadness, they can still be separate things. And Wanda didn't want that part of it. She was okay with the sadness to an extent where she was controlling it and she was letting herself feel it. But Geraldine took it to another level by talking about the traumatic event that inspired that sadness. Pietro being killed by Ultron. And that becomes a threat. That's a threat to the twins. It's a threat to this thing being real, including these twins being real, as far as Wanda sees it. And it's also threatening Wanda with the trauma that she is trying to forget, the problems that she is trying to let float away. Geraldine has threatened to remove all of that. She's working against that when she acknowledges a very real thing that happened that has caused Wanda all of this sadness and all of this pain. And so Wanda's reaction to it and the way Elizabeth Olsen plays it out, I mean, the way this scene is structured, uh, the way it's written, the way it's directed, the way that it's acted, it's all perfect. I, I don't see how you could have done this any better than the way it plays out here. This was a tour de force, uh, just performance, man. Um, this was, again, she lures you in. I, I love the word lure right now because this is what the show has been doing to me. And she's she's given this great straight ahead performance with subtle you know things here and there going in between these different versions of the character and then she clicks back into normal wanda and a lot of people who love to criticize the mcu love to criticize elizabeth olsen's uh uh you know accent is gone by the time we get to infinity war or whatever civil war whatever it was and and uh, which, again, I, I can understand both sides, to be honest, understand their side, understand the why people would criticize, you know, I've everything. never really bought it much because people drop accents and pick them back up all the time. It's a real thing that people exactly. do. And Wanda yeah. was consciously trying to blend in. I mean, we saw her being exactly undercover mm -hmm. with the Avengers at the beginning of Civil War, then being on the run with the, you know, not officially titled, but effectively secret Avengers. So like with her accent being one of the most recognizable things about her and she was dropping it to blend in and we know how much Wanda cares about uh, fitting in. Yeah, mm. she dropped the accent. But the fact that she picks it up back here at this key emotional moment yes. to me makes it it just enriches everything that's happened exactly. to her that's happened with the accent mm -hmm. up until this point. 
and to me, it, it emphasizes again, like what you said, it gives us context to like, okay, this is a conscious thing that the MCU is aware of that like they understand that like she does not, she's not using her accent as much, and they used it to perfectly impact the scene and in an emotional way that you weren't expecting. And I was like, oh, whoa, okay. Like they're totally, they're, they're giving it to us. They're giving us this emotional depth that, you know, that the character has. And that's the thing about Wanda is that it is a tragedy what she's gone through in her life um, in the MCU itself. And I think in the comic books, it's emphasized as well, this character that just wants so badly to, you know, have a normalcy and have, you know, a family and love this, this being that is as vision. Um, it's, it really is a tragedy because she's like, she wills all these things into her life. And I think that, you know, again, going, it's, it's beautiful. Cause they even touch on it in this, in that scene, Sean, when she says, you know, I had a twin mm-hmm. and the, it's no coincidence that she has twins. It's be, based on her own desire to have twins because her and Pietro were twins. So right. she creates them. And that's what I love about this show is they, you know, they emphasize, oh, it's only one child. And we know two are coming. But I'll be honest, when 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 they had it was a great surprise, even to me, when when the second one came in, it was a, it was a great you know moment. But again, when you have that scene with her saying, I had a twin, it emphasizes the fact that she is this is all her will. Literally, she's willing this into fruition. And I think that's a great moment that when she it's like you're acknowledging that. And then it also calls back to like that maybe that's why they exist in the MCU. And that's this version is that they exist as twin as twins because she misses Pietro and that that's a side of her that she's missing. And you see that right there. Um, I loved it. This was by far the best. Uh, act like you said earlier this is the best acting performance maybe in the mcu period and i was blown away how good she was i mean like again elizabeth olsen has been great this whole series yeah but this is just i'm blown away how great it is this is great and i was i just was like wow and everything leading up to it or afterwards it was so so cool and so i yeah, this this was a great moment. The Pietro moment was such a great thing, and I think it's also foreshadowing. He's coming back in some way. We don't know how, but right. somehow he's going to make an appearance. We don't know exactly what that means, but it's there, and this is the first sign of it, and I love it. Yeah, there's already at least one person Wanda loved who dead and came back in this reality. It's Vision, so if there that can happen go. with Vision, why not Pietro yep. and maybe others? But just... Phenomenal. I mean, when Elizabeth Olsen is eventually nominated for and hopefully wins an Emmy, this scene will be why. Um, certainly among the most compelling reasons why. Just extraordinary, extraordinary performance. And we, of course, get to Vision goes back in the house. Where's Geraldine? Oh, she left, honey. She had to rush home. And just the way Wanda delivers that, you know, very callous, you know, almost, you know, like she's almost playing like a witch. She's almost playing like the villain in a horror movie or something like that. Like, you know, like I, I know something you don't know and I'm not going to say, you know, like, Oh, she left no big deal. But we know with the way Wanda delivers it and we know what happened and we see what happens to Geraldine. And now she's Monica cause she's outside of this reality. She's been expelled from Westview. We see this billboard Westview home. It's where you make it. So we're totally talking about the idea of we're making reality here. Uh, we're making life. We're making Uh, What's real to us, we're making the life that we want, even if that means ignoring uh, that which is part of our lives, but we want to forget. And we see that S.W.O.R.D. has created a perimeter. Like, 
they have these lights up around the bubble. I don't think they're creating the bubble. I think they just have the lights shining on the bubble in case something comes out of it. Um, and also maybe so they don't walk into it because maybe it hurts when you walk into it uh, based on what happened to that helicopter. I don't know. But anyway, Sword has created a perimeter. It kind of reminds me of like all, because it's all like just big tents and things that they popped up. It reminds me of the big tent that they put up around Mjolnir in Thor in 2011, like which was shield, not sword, but similar agencies. So I feel like it's, you know, S.W.O.R.D. has established a perimeter, and so and this is what they're doing. They are monitoring, observing, investigating this. Geraldine or Monica Rambo was sent in there to investigate, or maybe was flying around and accidentally crashed in the helicopter. We don't know exactly how it happened, but I, I think we'll get that story. I think we'll see the shot of Monica flying flying through Westview from the inside, where it's still daytime. I think we will see that. I think we'll see a flashback to this ejection of Monica Maybe next week, um, and and we'll probably get more of a lowdown uh, on Sword. Uh, we will probably see that. Uh, we will probably see that some during next week's episode. We'll probably get a little recap of what's going on with Monica. This is where characters like Jimmy Woo and Darcy Lewis might finally appear in this series, um, because I, I think we're now going to start balancing the sitcom reality with the world outside of it. Because we've peeled back the curtain, not to reveal everything that's behind it. But we've at least revealed the curtain itself and that there is something on the other side of it. So I think there's a lot of things that will be coming up with S.W.O.R.D. Uh, next week and more of what more of the truth behind Monica and what she was doing. But I think it's also key, like with Monica in this, that there are still clues to how this reality works, because if we look at Monica and her reactions to things, I don't think it's all a conscious cover on her part. I think that this there is something about Westview that, as I said, has a mind-altering effect on the people who are there because people snap in and out of different states. Like Vision, for example, he he's very curious, right? He's very, very curious, and he's always skeptical of this thing. But whenever there is a rewind or a cutback, he temporarily forgets that he's curious. He's He temporarily forgets that he's skeptical about this reality. It's just back to whatever the more heartwarming, easygoing, uh, you know, rainbows and sun sitcom uh, nature of this is. Like, he just kind of falls into that. We see other characters. Mr. Hart, when he choked after he was done choking, back to it's happy sitcom time. Vision gets a promotion and we're out of here. Dottie cuts her hand when the glass just ex shatters in her hand. And then it's back to, okay, we're back to being fine. It's all this sitcom reality. We're all good. And so we, in Herb as well, he's very worried and scared and he's about to reveal something to Vision. But then it's just catch you on the flip side, buddy. You know, like there is something about this that is, I don't know, it, it, it almost seduces the people who are there in, in such a way where like it just, it will pull them back. It will pull them back into the attitude that they're supposed to have, the point of view, the perspective that they're supposed to have if they're sitcom characters, as opposed to the skepticism that they might have, the fear that they might have, the anxiety and everything that they might have, the worry, all of that that they might have um, if they approach this from a more real world perspective. And it also kind of represents who they are. Like Monica, she can't help but investigate, even if she's not always aware of why she's investigating like does she know she's really trying to actively investigate Wanda when she goes in her house and, and invites herself into different rooms 
Maybe, but I also feel like there's a lot of that that's just, that's Monica's instinct over, that's compelling her to do this, even as she's still behaving and acting as if she's a sitcom character. Because if this was all a conscious cover the entire time, then I don't think her reaction to remembering that Pietro was killed by Ultron, I don't think it's quite the same. So there's definitely a lot of evidence that characters kind of lose their sense, like who they are will still shine through and it can still be an overriding factor, but it's also very easy to lose a sense of who you are and not be able to hold on to that sense of who you are for a very long period of time. Like Vision, the guy's a computer, even though he got offended by that in the first episode because that's his cover, like that he's a normal human being, but he is a computer. So he is going to be going off. He is born of artificial intelligence. And so he's going to be wanting to make sense of things. He's going to be wanting, the data has to line up. Everything has to add up into something that fits within the framework of how he understands the world. And it's not doing that. And Westview will always fail to do that, which means no matter what happens, you can you can temporarily set him back and you can throw him off the scent of things, but he's always going to be curious in a way that's trying to make sense of it. And it's inevitably not going to make sense and it's not all going to add up, which is just going to further his skepticism. And I think that's what we see every time Vision gets on that track of being more skeptical, we see him going further with it. And so I think as we go into something like next week, I think the next step for Vision is, can he, is he going to be capable of remembering that he's being reset and learn the next thing, which is to avoid giving away either to Wanda or anyone else just how skeptical he is, because that's the only way he's going to be able to move further in his various lines of questioning is if people don't know that he's really asking questions and why he's asking those questions. So I don't know. We'll, we'll con- continue to see what happens with these characters, but I am just so mm-hmm. fascinated by this show. And I know that's why it's taking an hour and a half plus to break down a half hour episode <laughs> is because so we're just, there are so many questions that we just have to lay out there and examine why these questions exist and go through these different theories. But I think that's why is we land on so many different possibilities mm-hmm. that would all work and I think would all be fascinating to me. But I also can't help but feel like there's got to be something that we're missing and that eventually when the truth is revealed, we're going to go back through these episodes and be like, yeah, it's we should have known it all along. Yeah, totally. 100%. It's, I'm loving where this is going now and I can't wait for next Friday. So yeah, I'm stoked. And also the podcast afterwards, we can break it down for, you know, three hours, which is awesome. Yeah, no, this is, uh, this is a lot of fun. This is why (laughs) we do this is to be breaking down stories. It's really fun to talk about news and it's really fun to talk about rumors and speculate. And -hmm. we're doing a lot of that here, but it's so much better when that speculation is driven by, actual story in the mcu (laughs) uh so yeah this is so much fun and a luxury Mm -hmm. we've never had in time and then all the time doing this podcast is being able to react to this much new mcu story this much new content on such a regular basis so i am loving this so far hopefully Mm -hmm. uh, i know paul is uh, hopefully you all are loving it as well as you are listening to this uh thank you so much for listening to this and i also want to give out some thank yous to jose v victor d Colby R and John M. They are some of the latest patrons over at patreon.com. Sean Gerber slash Sean Gerber. That's S E A N G 
G-E-R-B-E-R, where we have exclusive podcasts that are not available anywhere else, like Fan Show Plus, where we talk about non-Marvel things like Mandalorian, Marvelous Moments, where I highlight some of the best scenes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think this scene from WandaVision will probably be featured on that series uh, somewhere at some point. So those exclusive podcasts are available at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. We also have an exclusive Discord community through the Patreon where we have events like Watch a Vision. So every Saturday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, I'm hosting a watch party for the latest episode of WandaVision. And every month, I also host an MCU trivia night uh, where you can test your knowledge against some great fellow MCU fans. And just one last reminder to make sure you're following us in the places you can, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at MCU Fan Show. And for more information on the exclusive podcast and the exclusive Discord, you can go to patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, check me out my other podcast, The Comic Binge. Uh, the saga continues, and then also the Spidey Dude Experience, which is my new Spider-Man podcast that I've been doing. It's been a lot of fun, so check me out on there. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.